Hey, good morning. My name is Mark Putman, and I'm one of the pastors here at Anderson Hills. I, too, am glad that you're worshiping with us today. And we are so blessed that during these times of stay-at-home orders in Ohio that we've been able to continue worshiping together as God's people every single Sunday morning. Well, we are really coming into the home stretch of our sermon series called The Story. For 29 weeks now, except for a brief period during the season of Advent, we've been reading through the entire Bible. And we've been discovering that it is God's great love affair with humanity. It's the story of God's plan of redemption for the world that he created and the world that he loves so very much. We've seen how God's story is really our story, that the upper heavenly story and the earthly lower story, tend are, they intersect in Holy Scripture. Last Sunday, Pastor Jonathan shared the story about the birth of the church found in the early chapters of Acts and how by the power of the Holy Spirit, the church of Jesus Christ spread outward from Jerusalem to Judea and way beyond that. And today we're going to see how that expansion continued by taking a look at the life and ministry of the Apostle Paul. Now Paul, for a little background, was also known by his Jewish name of Saul. And he had impeccable credentials as a faithful, obedient Jew. In his early years, he had received the finest education in Jerusalem under the training of Gamaliel. He was a Pharisee who knew the scriptures inside and out, and he was able to follow every single letter of the law of the scriptures without fail. When we first meet him early on, he is so convinced that the Jews who have begun to trust in Jesus Christ as the Messiah are wrong, that he actually goes about rounding them up, persecuting them, and even standing by as some of them were killed, like when Stephen was stoned to death for his faith in, Je for his faith in Jesus in Acts chapter 7. But then... Paul had this first-hand encounter with Jesus while he was on the way to Damascus where he was going to round up some more Christians. On that road, the Lord Jesus appears to him and very powerfully tells Paul that it is Paul that Jesus has chosen to take the gospel message to the Gentiles. This encounter totally turned Paul's life upside down. It's never the same again after that. Paul was baptized, and immediately he begins to tell everyone who will listen, Jews and Gentiles alike, that Jesus is the Son of God. And then eventually, as they were led by the Holy Spirit, the followers in Jesus in the city of Antioch in Syria commissioned Paul and Barnabas, and they sent them out as missionaries to spread the news that Jesus, the Messiah, is raised from the dead. And so we pick up this story in Acts chapter 13, verses 1 to 6 and 13 to 16. Now, in the church in Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, 
the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they, when they arrived at Salome, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. They traveled through the whole island the, until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus. From Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. From Perga, they went on to Pisidian Antioch. And on the Sabbath, they entered the synagogue and sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the leaders of the synagogue sent word to them, saying, Brothers, if you have a word of exhortation for the people, please speak. Standing up, Paul motioned with his hand and said, Fellow Israelites and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. <laughs> and so we see right here at the very beginning that there is this great variety of people that were gathered in the church in Antioch. We're told they had a variety of gifts. Some were prophets, some were teachers. They were also from lots of different places, too. Paul was from Tarsus. Barnabas was from Cyprus. Lucius was from Cyrene in North Africa. There's a lot of diversity in this church. I'm sure they each had their own unique gifts and that they were deployed in the church both there in Antioch and beyond as well. But the people there dedicated Paul and Barnabas because the Holy Spirit had told them to set them apart for the special purpose of going out to new places as missionaries to spread the gospel of Jesus in places where it had never been shared before. Now, I don't imagine that Paul and Barnabas had a travel agent to plan out their trip for them in the sense that we do today. No, in fact, the Holy Spirit was their travel agent. And so what they did was they followed the known travel routes in the Roman Empire of that time. And it was those shipping routes, those Roman roads that made their travel so much easier. It'd be like if we had followed Route 66 from Chicago to Los Angeles, making stops at all the important towns along the way, St. Louis, Oklahoma City, Albuquerque. And as you can see from the map of Paul's first journey, they went from the church in Antioch of Syria to the port of Seleucia, where they caught a ship sailing for the island of Cyprus in the Mediterranean Sea. They landed in Salome, where Barnabas took Paul to this little sandwich shop that he knew about, because they had one of the best sandwiches ever with this brand new kind of lunch meat that had just been invented called salami. No, I'm just totally kidding you there. That's not what happened at all. So Cyprus actually did have this large Jewish population. And so Paul and Barnabas went straight to the local synagogue where people would be familiar with the Jewish scriptures and many would begin to recognize Jesus as the fulfillment of Jewish prophecy about the Messiah as Paul preached to them. And so after preaching all over the island, they set sail from the city of Paphos on the other end of Cyprus 
for the mainland of Asia Minor, which is today's modern-day Turkey. They landed in the town of Perga, and then they headed inland to the city of Antioch in Pisidia. Now, don't get confused about all the Antiochs that you're going to hear about today. Antioch was kind of like the town name of Springfield back in Paul's day. It went from Springfield, Ohio, to Springfield, Illinois, to Springfield, Missouri, for example. And that's why they're always indicating which Antioch it is they're talking about. Is it Antioch of Syria, Antioch of Pisidia? So Paul is invited to speak in this synagogue in Antioch of Pisidia. And he preached this great sermon testifying from all of the Jewish scriptures how Jesus is the Messiah. He proclaimed that Jesus came to give us forgiveness for our sins and that we are made right with God when we believe in him and put our trust in him. And so we're told that lots and lots of people came to faith. And so they invited Paul and Barnabas to come again on the next Sabbath day and to preach some more. But there were some Jewish leaders that became jealous of Paul's success. Has that ever happened to you? You see someone else succeeding and you begin to get a little bit jealous. That's what's happening here. And so instead of celebrating the work that God was doing, they tried to block it. They tried to stop Paul. But Paul and Barnabas rebuked them and they said they were going to keep taking their message to the Gentiles. And so they left Antioch in Pisidia and they headed toward the city of Iconium. And here's what happened next. In Acts 14. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. There, they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there, speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. The people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. There was a plot afoot among both Gentiles and Jews, together with their leaders, to mistreat them and stone them. But they found out about it and fled to the Lyconian cities of Lystra and Derby and to the surrounding country where they continued to preach the gospel. And so we see how the gospel of Jesus continued to spread through Paul and Barnabas. As they usually did, they first went to the synagogue and they preached about Jesus and a whole lot of people heard the gospel for the first time and believed. But even when some people who weren't convinced began to stir up trouble Paul and Barnabas never gave up. Maybe you don't know this, but Barnabas' name was really Joseph. Barnabas was his nickname. And the nickname Barnabas means son of encouragement. And I bet that's because he was a great encouragement to Paul not to give up when trouble arose in those early days. I think we all need encouragement. I know I sure do. And encouragement is actually one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes you'll hear it referred to as exhortation. And people with this gift are able to encourage other people to remain faithful, even in hard times, even in the midst of struggles. 
They use their relationships with other people to, to use their gift naturally. They talk. They pray. They might send a card or write a note. They might even use music or other art forms to encourage. Maybe you have the gift of encouragement. Think of all the ways that you can use your spiritual gift, even right now, from home. You can speak words of encouragement to the drive through window clerk and the DoorDash delivery guy. You can use Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to post words of encouragement to healthcare workers. You and your kids can use sidewalk chalk to write encouraging words and pictures to your neighbors who walk by your home. You can take part in our church's challenge from the children and student ministry areas to collect 100 notes of encouragement that are going to be delivered to local grocery store workers right up and down Beachmont Avenue this week. You can drop your note of encouragement off at the church office by the end of business tomorrow, Monday, and encourage area grocery store workers at Kroger, Aldi, and Target. How cool would that be? To know that Anderson Hills is thinking about me as I bag groceries during this time of anxiety. Well, because Barnabas' encouragement to Paul meant that Paul kept preaching, and because he kept preaching, many more people came to believe in Jesus. They just kept planting gospel seeds, and then they let the Holy Spirit do the rest. And in fact, the Spirit was so present there that signs and wonders even happened, which were further convincing to people that God's grace and goodness were present and there and available. The spiritual gift of miracles was present in the healings that took place as Paul and Barnabas went from place to place. They went on to the cities of Lystra and Derby, healing people and winning the people to Christ. And of course, as always happened, some of their jealous detractors from Antioch and Iconium had followed them, and they began to stir up trouble against them again. But still, Paul and Barnabas were undeterred. They began to retrace their steps back to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. They encouraged the believers in each of the brand new churches that they had started there. They looked for people with various gifts in each of the places and then they affirmed those gifts, and they appointed leaders in each of those places, committing them to the Lord. Finally, they went back down to Perga, where they caught a ship nearby in Italia, and they sailed back to Antioch in Syria, where they had started. And the gospel just continued to spread throughout the Roman province of Asia Minor. Paul and Barnabas had covered about 1,600 miles, planting lots of new churches and introducing lots of new people to the gospel of Jesus Christ. They stayed in Antioch of Syria for a long time, telling all the people about what had happened among the Gentiles in Asia Minor. It is during this time that many people believe Paul probably wrote the letter to the Galatians, Galatians was probably written before the Jerusalem Council happened. And that council was formed to answer questions that were debated and finally resolved about whether or not Gentile believers had to be required to follow all the Jewish laws. Paul wrote in Galatians against requiring Gentiles to follow the Jewish law. And he writes about how Christ sets us free from the law and how we are called to live by the Spirit instead. Well, the Jerusalem Council eventually affirmed Paul's position, 
And the letter to the Galatians circulated among the churches that Paul had planted in Iconium, Lystra, and Derbe, all part of the province of Galatia. And after the Jerusalem Council, it was decided that this news really needed to be taken back out and shared with all the Gentiles in the churches there. They couldn't just make a post on Twitter with the results, and so they had to take this message out and share it in person. And so a second journey was undertaken to share the news, to go back and strengthen the churches along the way, and to go into some new places that they'd never been before. Paul takes a new companion along with him this time, a man named Silas. And they left Antioch in Syria, and this time they take an overland route through the province of Cilicia. They came to Derby and then to Lystra, where they met a young man by the name of Timothy. Now, Timothy's mother and grandmother were Jewish believers already, but his father was a Greek. And Paul invited Timothy to join him and Silas, and together they traveled um, on through the provinces of Galatia and Phrygia. They tried at one point to go up into the province of Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus wouldn't let them go. And so they went on down through Mysia until they came to the town of Troas on the eastern shore of the Aegean Sea. And it was while Paul was in Troas that he has a dream about a man who begs him, begs him to come on over to Macedonia, which was on the other side of the sea. And it was there that Luke, who is the writer of the book of Acts, joins the other three men, and here's what happens, beginning in Acts 16. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace. And the next day, we went on to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony, and the leading city of that district in Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message, and when she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house, and she persuaded us. This map of Paul's second journey shows how Paul, Silas, and Timothy had crossed by land over the part that is marked Asia, and now they have reached and landed on European soil for the very first time. The city of Philippi was a leading city back in that time. And again, we see Paul starting his ministry in a place where he believes he's going to find some people who are open to his message about Jesus. Some women had gathered just outside of the city by the river, and they were praying there. And among the women was one who was named Lydia. We're told she was a merchant who sold purple cloth, which was really expensive back in that time. And it might indicate that she was a woman of some financial means and perhaps an influential woman. We're told that her heart was open to Paul's message and she came to believe. And so we see Lydia using her spiritual gifts of generosity. She used the material gifts that she had to provide a place to stay for Paul and the others, a roof over their head and hospitality for them. And then while they were in Philippi, 
Paul used his gift of divine healing one day. We read a story this week about a demon from a slave girl, and this demon was cast out. And so her owners became very angry and upset with Paul because they were greedy and they knew that if their slave could no longer tell fortunes, they would lose a lot of money. And so they dragged Paul and Silas in front of the town's authorities. They had them arrested, flogged, and thrown into prison. And the jailer put them in the innermost cell where they would be the most guarded, and he chained them up, and he guarded them carefully. And here's what happened next. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. And the jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and he was about to kill himself because he thought that all the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. And so the jailer called for the lights and he rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked them, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. And then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. I love that story. A powerful miracle happens in that jail. Now, of course, I think several miracles happen there. The most obvious one is that this divine earthquake happens and it flings open the cells of the jail and the prisoner's chains fall off. But I think it's also pretty miraculous that in spite of being mistreated and treated so unfairly by the crowd and the magistrates that Paul and Silas are singing hymns of praise to God, not muttering underneath their breath. And I think it's also a miracle that all the prisoners, when, when their chains fall off, don't just run out of the jail and, and go home and escape. But I think perhaps the biggest miracle of all is how God uses all of these things to bring that jailer and his family to become the newest converts to faith in Jesus Christ. He and his whole family are baptized in Christ, and immediately he uses his newfound spiritual gifts of mercy and compassion to see the need and to feel the suffering of Paul and Silas. And he washes and he bandages their wounds. And he also uses his gift of hospitality, bringing them into his home and setting a meal before them. The group of evangelists leave Philippi, and they continue on through Macedonia and Greece to Thessalonica, Berea, Athens, and Corinth. And along the way, they have varying degrees of success. But still, many, many people come to faith in Jesus Christ. Paul leaves Corinth and sails to Ephesus and then makes his way back to Antioch in Syria, where the second journey had started. This second journey covered twice as many miles as the first, almost 3,000 miles. And lots of churches had been revisited and strengthened along the way. And lots of new churches had been started. 
many new people came to faith, and in each place, new gifted leaders for the church were raised up and deployed. And the gospel of Jesus kept spreading outward. In each of these stories we've surveyed this morning, we've seen a variety of people use their spiritual gifts to build up the church. Later in Paul's life, he wrote a letter to the church in Corinth explaining to them about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and how they are to be used. Hear what he has to say in 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 11. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. You see, each and every Christian has at least one spiritual gift given to them as a gift from the Holy Spirit. You probably have even more than one. But even though they are given to you, they are not meant for you. They're actually meant for other people. For you see, your gifts are meant to be used to build up the whole church and to bring glory to God. And when we use our gifts and we add them together, the fullness of the body of Christ is made known to the community and to the world. I've seen almost every one of the spiritual gifts in this church. And it is a beautiful thing, an amazing thing, a thing that only our living God can do. And I think it's one of the biggest reasons why so many people are being drawn to what God is doing here at Anderson Hills because the Spirit of God is present and the gifts are being used to glorify God and to bring others to faith in Christ. So my friends, let's continue the work that began so well in the book of Acts. Let's keep spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth, starting right here and spreading outward in ever-expanding concentric circles. Let's use our spiritual gifts to introduce people to Christ, whatever your gifts are. And in so doing, we join in God's mission in the world, just like the Apostle Paul did, and set the example for each of us. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, we give you thanks for all of your good works. We give you thanks for every gift of the Spirit which you pour out so faithfully on everyone who believes. Lord, we thank you for all the gifts that are at work in our church here at Anderson Hills. And we ask you, God, that we would be equipped to use our gifts as part of the fuller whole of all the gifts. To the end, Lord, that more disciples are made, 
that the gospel is shared far and wide and more people come to trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and that we bring glory and honor and praise to your name. Help us look for ways this very day, God, and in the days to come, even in this week ahead, to use our gifts for the upbuilding of the church and for your glory and praise. God, we love you and thank you. We offer ourselves to be used by you. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.